familiar members and sports fans around the world. Welcome back to the Yellow Table and welcome back to another Press Coverage Sports. Brought to you by Mel Eats Meal Prep Service. It's a persistence food company providing delicious and nutritious meal prep to take the stress out of your busy holiday life. So make sure you stay on track this holiday season through macro-based meal plans and get your meal prep game off the bench and on the field for the new year. Check out Mel Eats for weekly specials and get signed up today at Mel Eats Meals on IG. But without further ado, let me bring in my co-host of the show, Mr. Jeremy Schiffman. What's up, Jay Shivy? Yes, sir. What is up, Jason? Appreciate you uh, letting me back into the <laughs> yellow course. table. It is a wonderful time of sports, so I am glad Dude, to be here. Wonderful. We had to miss a week, you know, holidays and things like that. Yes. So uh, a lot of stuff has happened before we uh, were last at the yellow table. Uh, mainly so, the college football Final Four yes. is locked in. In, dude. All right, so we're locked in after a wild week of championship football. And my first question is, I got to know, do you agree with the college football council? Did they get it right? I think we had a great college football season. Let me first start by saying that. I think I it was agree. entertaining. The storylines were in abundance. Um, and then the games down the stretch were very good. The final four, I guess. It's not what I would want. I think there's a much better one out there. And most of my complaint is centered around TCU. Um, obviously, they were undefeated going into the Big 12 championship. They lose that in overtime. So be it. They didn't drop out at all. They, they lost. They they're, they're not a conference champion. Like they, you, you stayed right there at three. That didn't make much sense. Um, I think Alabama should have got in. I think they should have slid in, and, I, and I'll start with that. I, I think Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State jumps TCU, Alabama jumps TCU. So then we have the semifinal matchups of SEC Alabama versus Georgia, and then the Big Ten, the rematch, Michigan-Ohio State. I think that would be great for TV, great for sports banter and everything like that, but they put TCU in. Do you feel TCU should be there? I am 100%. I, I love to debate with you on this show, Jeremy, but I am 100% with you. Give the people what they want. Like, yes. I mean, it literally yes. teed, it literally teed itself up perfect. Like the fate of college football swung exactly how the CFP committee would want it. So I just don't get how they didn't just nail home Georgia one, Michigan two, Ohio State three, and Bama four. Or Okay, even if you want to say, okay, two loss Bama, that's blasphemy. You're not supposed to get in at two losses if there's multiple teams in the Power Five with one loss. Then at least TCU should be number four, and we should get a guaranteed rematch of Ohio State yep. and Michigan. Like yep. I feel like they missed it, and like I got some some fr from some fans on online on on the IG debate channel saying that you know they want it to be in the national championship. But do we really think Ohio State is going to beat Georgia? Is are we really predicting that? I, I mean, I don't know. Possibly. So. So to me, I think they messed up because I think Bama is really the only true test for Georgia out there, possibly. Um, but we're going to get into that a little bit later in this debate. I mean, you know, uh, Bama's D is number four in the nation at giving up yards per play. And Georgia lives off the chunk play. If you watch them play, they never really yeah. sustain drives. So, like, if you can limit how many point, how many yards per get they're getting per play, I think that's a good way of slowing down Georgia's offense, which in turn slows down their defense, uh, sure. which nobody's been able to do. Um but getting back to, did they get it right? I, here's a couple of notes on TCU. They beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma finished under 500 in the Big 12. They beat Baylor under 500 in the Big 12. Oklahoma State under 500 in the Big 12. It was not a tough, the toughest schedule that we've seen from a team. And they were down 18 against Kansas yes. State in week one. They should have lost that game potentially. I mean, yeah, yeah. you, you should have, then you would have, but whatever. They were down uh, multiple, double digits and multiple different times in the Big 12 championship against K-State. Yep. 
They were down 11 with 11 minutes left. USC was down three with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Everyone's saying USC got blown out. They dropped six spots. They go from four to 10, and TCU loses basically in the same manner. I get it. The end of the game changed, and the score is what it is at the very end. But USC to drop six, and now it's Tulane, and TCU doesn't drop at all. It doesn't make sense to me. I think the and if Alabama was playing TCU next week, who's the favorite? If Alabama's playing TCU, who, who, who would be the favorite? They'd be a 20 point favorite. Exactly. If Ohio State was playing TCU, 10, 7 and they'd a half? Probably, uh, nah, it'd be more than that, dude. I think it'd have to be I think it'd have to be a healthy double digit spread if if the house wants to make any money. Nobody's yeah. nobody's betting on TCU exactly. giving seven and a half getting seven and a half against Ohio State. So I think from a fan perspective, from a talent perspective, from I guess you could look at the resume, but the resume TCU has isn't that much greater than what we've seen Alabama two losses on the last play of the game yep. and what Ohio State was the number two team in the nation for 13 straight weeks I agree I agree and you look at teams you look at teams if that's the case then Central Florida should have been in the college football yep. playoff years ago and yep. things of that nature like if that's what we're going off of and, and competition doesn't matter anymore I don't give a crap that Oklahoma State was ranked for a little bit I don't give a crap that Baylor was ranked for a little bit like you said when you get down to their records everybody's right around 500 and you know why that means that there's no good teams in the conference. Yeah. All right. Because you say that about the SEC. No, the SEC, everybody's got winning records. You look at the teams that are 500, Arkansas. You put Arkansas up against TCU, I wouldn't bet on TCU. Yeah. I would not bet on TCU yeah. against KJ Jefferson and Arkansas. I'm telling you, like, to me, who you play is what you say you really are. You know, it's kind of like the Bill Parcells adage, even 10 times X. You know, you can only play who's on your schedule. I get that. Yep. But then that should have a direct impact on where you're seated at the end of the year. And TCU, you look at them, they're going up against a team that loves to sack the quarterback, and they're 52nd in the country in sacks allowed. Uh, they played in much more inferior conference. Um, I do love Max Duggan. I do love me some Max Duggan. I ain't gonna sure. lie. Like a college, is he gonna be an NFL quarterback? Thirty-four hundred yards, thirty touchdowns to four picks, fourteenth in the nation yeah. in QBR. I don't know a lot of big. I don't know. I don't know of a lot. Before I say that, I don't know if a lot of Big Twelve quarterbacks are in the league. They a don't last of, long. A lot like, of Oklahoma guys. Who's that? Kyler Murray's there right now. Baker. Baker. Baker he's your LA Los Angeles Rams, Rams baby. And Baker, we trust. Yeah, get rid of Stafford. Stafford's out of town, from what I heard. No, Baker's the new. I mean, Baker's the new sheriff. We got our ring. I got to keep telling myself that we got a Super Bowl out of it. It's, I think it's, okay. it's all good. To get off topic here, I think they took a flyer on Baker just so if Matthew Stafford really does shit the bed, they got another number one overall quarterback. Exactly. For free, I'm, I'm basically. not. I'm not opposed to. Baker being the backup to Stafford next year, and if Stafford still doesn't have like the arm strength or the the elbow issue that we're experiencing, maybe Baker with with talent around him, with Cooper Cup around him, maybe he he reclaims some of what we saw him early on in his rookie and sophomore seasons. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And then I also saw the greatest meme ever of Baker Mayfield when they, they're talking about something about inconsistency at another job and you still get hired and it's yeah. him on the sideline grabbing his nuts in that Oklahoma game <laughs> when he was like grabbing his nuts and pointing at the guy. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, good old Baker. He's good for that kind of stuff. But this college football committee is also good for just screwing the pooch. I feel like we should have Georgia, Bama, Michigan, Ohio State in the play. And that's guaranteed. I don't want to hear this. Ohio State has to beat Georgia. But with that said, let me segue you into Tom. Topic B of this uh, portion of the show and predict to me how the playoffs are going to go. Jeremy, who wins the natty and against who? So teams do not often win back-to-back college football national championships. It just doesn't happen that often. And since 1980, so the last 
40 plus years. It's only happened twice. Nebraska in 94-95 and Alabama in 2011-2012. Georgia won the championship. They slayed Alabama. They they did everything last year. They didn't have the toughest schedule this year. Yes, they had Oregon early on, but that's a neutral site. That's an early, early game. Oregon got blown out. Georgia's done what they've needed to do. They're undefeated. It was a good Tennessee win, but then Tennessee gets blown out by South Carolina. How good is Tennessee? Georgia is at this point. And then LSU in the championship, four-loss LSU in the SEC championship. Yeah. Point being, I think the amount of games, last year they played 15. This is already going to be game 14. That starts to wear on you. I think there is a great probability Georgia does not make it out of the semifinals. I think Ohio State beats them. And I think we get that head-to-head matchup that the entire nation, well, definitely in the Midwest, but I think the rest of the nation would definitely enjoy a Michigan-Ohio State SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles national championship game. That would be incredible. My money's on Michigan. Jim Harbaugh is going to pull it out. They are going to win it. Ohio State, Michigan doesn't get any bigger. All the stakes on the line. First time ever, obviously, for a championship. And I think the Michigan Wolverines will pull it out and be the national champions. That would be crazy. I will say this much. That would be crazy. And, uh, a buddy of mine, Brian, I think we talked about it a couple podcasts ago. He got offered as season ticket holders a uh, chance to buy national championship tickets at face value. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, you got face value national championship tickets to Michigan, Ohio State. They ain't face value no more. Those no, that things, would skyrocket. <laughs> that would skyrocket. That would be insane. That would be insane. Insane. <laughs> so college football, yes, they would be stoked. But I just don't think they're going to have it. And I think I'm actually just going complete oppo on you. And I just don't wow. think – I don't think Ohio TCU, State – TCU, really? Huh? I don't think – that's me. You know me. I love the fade. I love the fade to Wolverines. But I just feel like – I feel like TCU is that scrappy kind of team that Michigan would struggle with. If they keep if, – if, if TCU keeps answering the bell on Michigan – they're going to have trouble. Now they got they don't have Blake Corum. Okay, I know Edwards yep. freaking absolutely he's been gutted, absolutely gutted Ohio State and he's not some half-assed newcomer. He's been there for a while. He's played in big games. I get that. Yeah. I get that. But they completely crapped the bed last year and I feel like CFP's trying to toss them up a gimme. They're trying to let him have some wiffle ball in this year's college football playoffs and I think TCU's going to come ready to play. They they just realized that they almost blew a chance. I love Sonny Dykes. I think he's a great coach. So if you think that they're not going to be ready to go, they're going to be ready to go. Of course. Um and maybe this is just more of my heart fading Michigan than not, but I like Max Duggan. I think he's the most legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate on the field, and not just by going off of who's— On the Final Four field not, or in the college football landscape? No, on the field in the Michigan game. Okay, got you. Against Michigan, okay. right? So without Blake Corum, if Blake Corum was still there, I'd say Blake Corum. Blake Corum is that dude. I love yeah. me some Blake Corum. He's a great running back. It's tough time to get injured yeah. at the end of the year. But without him, I just don't know if— I don't know if I believe in McCarthy enough to—, to Outduel Duggan. So they're going to have to run. They're going to have to play goon ball, which they might be able to. But if if Max Duggan dials up a couple deep balls to Quentin Johnson or they put a couple points up on the board and get Michigan pressing to throw the ball a little bit, I like TCU's ch- chances, you know. Emaw, go Horn Frogs, baby. Michigan by double digits. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I All think right. their defense locks in. I think Harbaugh has been waiting for this moment for this is really the pinnacle. I mean, he had a Super Bowl opportunity. It fell apart with Niners Ravens a couple Super Bowls ago. But for him to be Ohio State in back-to-back years, go to back-to-back CFPs, as you said, maybe the committee did not a favor. But, okay, instead of Ohio State, you get TCU in that first matchup. It's pretty shoe-in that Michigan's going to be the favorite to go to the championship. And 
I think it's his time. I think it's Michigan's time. They haven't won the title since the late nineties. So this would be great as a as a national brand, as a Jordan brand. Like fans for generations are gonna love this. It does feel like that. It does feel like that. I'm having trouble with I'm having trouble with Ohio State being able to beat Georgia, and I feel like that's a big uh, linchpin, so to speak, in your argument here that Michigan's gonna win it. Because if Georgia gets to the if Georgia gets to the national championship against Michigan again, Slightly different. Like, Georgia had a lot of players go first round of the NFL. They had a lot of, like, one of the highlights from that game was a non-play was George Pickens, now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, just bench-pressing the cornerback of, of Michigan and throwing him down last year in the in the semifinal matchup. And Yeah, but they know, didn't even use their tight ends in last year's offense. Now you got freaking Darnell Washington and yeah. uh, the other homeboy, the better one. What's his name? Why am they're, I? They're, they're running. They're, those each teams are great. They're, they're here for a reason. Those Bowers. Are the two un- Bowers. Yeah. Bowers in Washington, Darnell Washington, and uh, what's the Bowers' first name? They just sound like some tight ends, man. And when you see them, they even <laughs> look—they look more like tight ends than they yeah, sound. That dude. college football tight end yeah. style. But those are the two teams. Like that's what we should see. Those are the undefeated conference championships: Michigan and Georgia. If we got that in the final championship in the national championship, I'm all—I'm happy. If I had to pick. I would pick Michigan, and uh, if I had to pick for competitive balance of now what we have as options f- for the uh, for the national championship, I'd pick Michigan and Georgia. That'd be the best possible matchup over Michigan, Ohio State. I would uh, most competitive, yes. Most excitable, oh. most. Oh no 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 so so sorry. So most desirable, yeah. yes, but most likely is going to be Michigan and okay. Georgia. But I got to say that TCU, I'm riding with TCU. I'm sticking with TCU. I feel like there's a little magic in the air. I feel like Michigan might even be looking forward to Ohio State or something like that. can't look forward especially to the if, semifinal match. Especially if Ohio State plays first and they beat Georgia. That's going to be, that. I feel like that's even more of a trap for Michigan. But who knows? I'm, I'm going to tune in. But right now I'm predicting dogs roll. Who's that coming down the track? Back the Georgia back. Bulldogs, 52-20 to 20 versus the Horn Frogs and the Natty. One of the most uncompetitive, shittiest Natty championships we've ever seen in our lives. And we're all thankful that we're going to 12 games soon enough. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So, with that being said... It is bowl season, baby. Yes. And boy, do I love me some bowl season, okay? So I prepped this topic just for myself, all right? So for <laughs> this one, I want to know what Jeremy's biggest lock of any of the bowl games is and then also what the most intriguing bowl game is. But I'm going to take first swing at this one. I'm going for my lock of the bowl season is East Carolina Pirates over the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Okay. Two of the coolest mascots and names in college football. And then you gotta always got to love a Carolina rivalry. Okay, Coastal Carolina is kind of new to the scene, um, but I think East Carolina is a lock. All right, uh, Coastal Carolina kind of had big ambitions of maybe being a New Year's Six team. They kind of fell apart. I love Grayson McCall as the next guy. Any quarterback with a mullet is cool to me. Um, it's always I, college football yes, quarterback with is, the mullets. It is, but I think East Carolina is just going to roll, right? So this is their first bowl game since 2004 or 2014, excuse me, because of COVID complications canceled last year's Bahamas Bowl. So instead of them being able to play in the Bahamas last year, they got nothing, diddly squat. So they are ready to go. They are ready to go, and they got one of the coolest seniors in all of college football in Holton Ayler. He's a gamer. He's got tons of weapons on the outside. He loves to throw up big points. They've beaten tons of big teams. They beat Cincinnati in Cincinnati this year. They're a good team, and I just think that they're ready to leave Ayler's on a good note, and they're just hungry for this bowl game that they should have had last year and uh coastal carolina is kind of limping in and a little bit disappointed so they're my lock who's your lock so uh your lock is east carolina east carolina dominating coastal carolina nine and a half how confident are you in the spread nine and a half 
East Carolina given nine and a half yeah. all day long. Okay. Okay. That's, all day that's long. confidence, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. That's confidence. All right. For me, yes, I'm biased. If you haven't noticed that yet. Yes. Uh, I, I love We all do. We're sports fans. Exactly. So the easiest lock on the board, Jason. Come on. It's the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Yes. December 20th. I do love that bowl. My alma mater, San Jose State Spartans, taking on the Eastern Michigan. What is their mascot? They're, I don't know. The, Eastern, the Eagles, baby. The Eagles of Eastern Michigan um, up in Idaho. I'm excited about this. San Jose State is a better team. That, that's the lock, right? We're, we're winning this game. San Jose State's won four of the last five bowl games they've been in. Eastern Michigan has the 130th ranked out of 131 teams strength of schedule. You know what that tells me, Jason? <laughs> they didn't play nobody this year, all right? Not a great strength of schedule when you're second to dead last out of the entire college football. Um, San Jose State comes in a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And out of their losses, San Jose State, a one-score loss on the road in Auburn, SEC territory. That's a, that's a good loss, if you want to say. And then their other loss was a seven-point loss, one-score game to Fresno State, who's gone on to win the Mountain West and now uh, playing really good ball. I think they're right outside the top 25, Fresno yeah. State, right now. So Spartans played well this year. They've had a couple good runs, iterations over the last handful of years, but my lock of the, the bowl season is the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, San Jose State. Yeah. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And I can agree with the Fresno State. That was going to be my second lock. I mean, the Bulldogs are locked in this year, too. And uh, they got an 805 great with uh, Malik Sherrod on that team, a yeah. Pacifica High alumni from the state championship. So shout out to the 805 Good call doing, right there. Good doing call. their thing. Um, so I think the Bulldogs ride in their bowl game too, but I can see I can see San Jose State handling business there. Eastern uh Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan. I've, I've actually seen them play twice. I've actually won money on them one week. And I remember the snow game a couple yeah, weeks back. Well, the snow game was epic. <laughs> the snow game was epic. Um, but, they're, I mean, they're a football team. you know. And bowl games always get weird. But those teams, I feel like you could lock in because none of those guys are dipping out early for the NFL or anything right, like right, that. It's right. going to be team versus team. Um, but next, I want to know about what's the most intriguing. That's what I think is cool about bowl games. Honestly, the best. All these teams that you watch all year, all of a sudden now get to play all these teams that they never played before. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool, and you get a lot of weird matchups. Uh, so what game intrigues you the most this bowl season, Jeremy? I would say normally every year, no matter for the most part who's in it, the Rose Bowl is what always intrigued me. But this year I feel like it's a JV Rose Bowl. It's a junior varsity Rose Bowl. We're getting the third pick. From the Big Ten because the top two, two are off. in the playoffs. Of course, of course. And then in the Pac 12, like the whole year, it was like, oh, it could be USC, UCLA. The winner of that matchup could mm -hmm. go on and win the Pac 12. Oh, it could be Oregon. These are the sexy, splashy teams, but then you get the brute. Utah Utes to come yep, in. Again. They win the Pac-12. They're and back again. They're back Same again. Same exact team. Yeah, and it's like okay, so I'm not I'm not intrigued about that. So I, I sorry, I killed your question with telling you what bowl game I'm not intrigued with. Am I intrigued with the most orange football game ever in the Orange Bowl down in Florida? You have Tennessee and you have uh, uh, Clemson, Clemson, the most orange teams Ooh, in the Orange I like Bowl. I, I like the at least them lining up. But no, here's what I'm predicting. Here's what I'm intrigued by. USC is going to lose to Tulane. Zero motivation for the Trojans. They're in the Cotton Bowl. Out of all the other sexy Cotton Bowl, or all the other sexy uh, um, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day bowls, like to get Tulane as an opponent, which is a good team. That Tulane that is good, and they're going to come ready to exactly. whoop some Trojan ass. Look, I'm I'm specifically stating out of motivation. Caleb Williams probably not playing. 
and and Tulane is going to come. Uh, they they I think have three top twenty five victories over the last mm-hmm. handful of weeks. So they've finished the season strong. USC not playing in the Rose Bowl, not playing in the CFP. You get Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. No motivation. They're going to get blown out. Not blown out, but they're going to lose. It's not going to be pretty. It is intriguing, and I will say this. Possibly the best mascot and uniform combination out there when Tulane throws on. Yeah, so they're the Tulane green wave. Yep. Okay? And then on top of it, they wear these powder blue uniforms with the dark green helmets. Pretty damn slick looking uniforms, right? Yeah. So I, I I think that's what they're going to come out rocking for the bowl game. So I'll be watching that one too. Um, I'm interested to see the spread. They might be end up being my super dog of the bowl of yeah. the bowl season. Okay, um, we'll see how that goes down. Um, but there's quite a few intriguing matchups, right? So I want to say the most intriguing is what I truly think the Natty actually is, and that's this year's Peach Bowl. Um, big shout out to Coach Bow. One of my favorite bowl games of all time is the Peach Bowl. Thanks to that man, he was uh, my defensive backs coach in high school, and he played for Kentucky. He played for uh, he played for Kentucky in the 1976 Wildcats beatdown of UNC. They won 21 to nothing, and uh, and Coach Bow actually picked off the pass to ice the game. Wow. So he told us that story probably a million times. I don't know. Maybe he had a little bit of a whiskey or vodka in him, too, at the time. But, man, he taught me a lot about defensive back and a lot about the game of football. Uh, so the Peach Bowl always was one that popped out to me. And it's just kind of cool that uh, Georgia is playing Ohio State in the Peach Bowl this year, which, to me, will be the true kind of uh, national championship game. Um, but I would say the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, Love to Fenway. me, is the most intriguing game. A, the game is played at Fenway Park. When do you get to watch a college football game played at Fenway Park? All right, so there is the there is the Stripe Bowl that gets played. Pinstripe in Yan- Bowl, yeah, Yankee Stripe Stadium. Bowl in Yankee Stadium. It used to be like the New Era, New yep. Era one. Yep. A little bit cooler name now. I think it's the Bad Boy Mower Bowl, uh, Pinstripe Bowl. Sponsors um, this year. Yeah, sponsor. Yeah, the sponsors are all over the place this year. NCAA is, is they're scrambling. Whatever uh, pays the bills. <laughs> they're scrambling. But a that's the cool part. But to me, B. Coach Satterfield of Louisville just accepted the job at Cincinnati. Who's playing in the Wasabi Fenway Bowl? Louisville versus Cincinnati. So how many times has a team got coached by a guy all year long and then got to prepare to play against him in a bowl game? He's not coaching on the opposite side, right? He is. No, how does that? (laughs) What? He is. He's the coach. Nah, this this feels like straight out of uh, fake. I'm sure they'll have an interim. I'm sure they'll have an interim or somebody there as a placeholder. But that's his team. That's his team. That's who he just said. Hey, I'm going to Cincinnati. Those guys are better than you. Louisville gets to say, "Mm, I don't know about that, coach. And then also on top of it, just on the field, there's two potential first round linebackers who are just absolute goons. Ivan Pace Jr. and Yasir Abdullah. They get after the quarterback like animals. It's probably going to be a low scoring affair. A lot of lot of head banging. Maybe a lot of uh, unfortunate. Targeting calls in that game. <laughs> Calling it's gonna it already, be, huh? It's going to be fun to watch. Um, so I'm intrigued by that one. You weren't lying. The bad boy mowers pinstripe. Told you, bad boy mowers, baby. What is that? A, is that a brand? Do you support bad boy mowers brand? I don't necessarily <laughs> support them. My question is, are they going to cut the grass before the game? Oh, they got to. They, they gotta have to, have, right? Like, they got to be like multiple out, yeah, mowers dude, so out there. Gotta, maybe that's the halftime show. Gosh. Maybe they let the grass grow high and leave it high until halftime, and then they do a halftime cutting show. I'm a big fan of any type of games when it's a football game at a historic baseball stadium. Yes. So you're 
your wasabi bowl at Fenway and then the pinstripe bowl. I, I'm always a fan of just watching those. And I know they won't do it. It'll be all field when we're there, but it just brings back that nostalgic of old Dolphins games being played when the Marlins were yeah. still playing or the Raiders up in Oakland, yep. things like that. When your 50-yard line is part, you know, infield dirt. And the- I remember this freaking mud bowl in Miami on like Sunday. It had to be Sunday night or maybe Monday night. I don't even know if Sunday night was really a thing back then when I was a kid. It was on ESPN back yeah. in the day. And I just remember water just dumping from the like the stadium and it was just such a med- muddy freaking shit show from the infield but yeah the Dodgers used to play at the Coliseum and that's like the one of the all-time crossovers where the left field was only like 220 feet and then right field would go as far as they would want it to go but it was (laughs) oddly shaped they get to make it whatever they want exactly we're gonna play baseball on a specific football and track and field uh stadium so (laughs) I'm all about those games yes it's cool it's cool it definitely brings a different element um I wish there's a different element in this year's Heisman voting though Jeremy which segues us to our next part of the show um, the Heisman, it's out. Yeah. Top four, top four, baby. We got Bennett, Williams, Duggan, and Stroud. Surprise, surprise, all quarterbacks. quarterbacks. All quarterbacks. I'll let you take first throw at this one. If you had a vote on the Heisman committee for most outstanding, remember, the award is for most outstanding, not most valuable, not, not most best. whatever, not best, most outstanding. Yeah. Who would you pick and why? Uh, I just think awards right now in sports, award shows, they're, they're going to be a thing of the past. We all love the Heisman Show. It's probably the most prestigious uh, award-giving uh, show that we see out there. But I just think they're all going to be a thing of the past in the near future. because really? So all award shows? So the ESPYs, everything? Not so much ESPYs. I'm saying like specific awards for like season accomplishments, for the Heisman, ah. for the NBA Finals. The NFL is trying to do with NFL honors. Well, the NBA is... Bucking the trend, they just came out with a new award. Did you see that today? What 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 they award? Are, they're oh, going to give I, away a trophy for the best regular season record to the team. Yeah, to the team with the best regular season record, you get a trophy now. I like that because they're probably picking up off what I did in my fantasy league this year. The <laughs> highest scoring team. You know how some years the highest scoring team never wins a championship. Yeah. Highest scoring team, hundred dollars out of the pot that we input. Beautiful. So everyone's fighting for that. So they, I like that. I like they, that. They stole my idea. NBA. Okay. NBA. Um, Back Adam to Silver, the, smart guy. Back to the awards, why I'm frustrated. If you we're all interconnected, and if you look at Vegas, whatever the odds are, who's ever the favorite wins the championship or wins the award every single time. NFL MVP, NBA MVP, rookie of the year, whatever you want to look at, who's ever the favorite in Vegas wins. So we already know Caleb Williams is going to be presented with the Heisman on Saturday. Now, wouldn't that mean you can go place one million dollars right now on Caleb Williams and have no risk at all? Yes, but they probably have a cap on that. I don't know if you can get away with a million, probably 50,000. I, I don't know what the exact number is. He is a minus 2,500 favorite right now, which is a massive favorite. For those of you that don't know gambling, don't know what minus 2,500 means, he's a 25 to 1 odd. So you have to bet $25 to win one, $250 to win $10. If like, you bet $2,500, you win $100. Yeah. There's got to be. If you win $1,000, you would have to bet twenty five thousand dollars let's go to vegas right now i can let's throw in 2500 i'll take a, a free hundred and a dinner <laughs> take a free hondo and a yeah. steak dinner let's ride but even uh uh, uh dugan or uh, duggan 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 as the second uh favorite in this is a plus two thousand that's a 20 to one you bet ten dollars you could win 20 you bet a hundred okay you could bet here a- we go question press cover sports fans you got a hundred bucks do you put it on max duggan to win two grand or do you put it on caleb williams to win two dollars and fifty cents there you go two dollars and fifty cents answer me 
Well, <laughs> you're either burning away a hundred or you're collecting two fifty, and then you're like, "What am I going to do with this?" I would have had more fun yeah. burning it and seeing yes. what it. Point but, being, okay. yep. Caleb Williams, forty-seven total touchdowns this year, uh, thirty-seven passing and ten rushing, to only four interceptions. He accounted for forty-seven touchdowns and only four interceptions, four thousand plus passing yards. He really showed off his leg talent in the last couple games of the year, picking up touchdowns, first downs, and I inevitably did him in in the Pac-12 championship by pulling his hamstring, and he was not the same, nor was SC after that moment. SC was kicking their ass early on. 17-3, SC was blowing out Utah. That offense was humming, and then it all turned on a dime right at the same exact time as the hamstring injury, so it's very unfortunate. Caleb Williams still by far had the best, and he was the most outstanding player in college football this year. I want to argue, but since no, don't need to, but don't since, need to. But since we came out, since we came out with the four, I'm looking at him right. You got Stetson Bennett, twenty touchdowns, six picks, thirty four hundred yards, a decent amount of yards, but no touchdowns. Right? Doesn't have that many rushing touchdowns. He only six touchdowns, six in QBR. So he's hell of efficient, but nobody cares about efficiency, yeah. right? It's the most outstanding, right? I actually literally looked up the definition to make sure that I was going to know exactly what the Heisman you know, panelists are looking for. Most outstanding. 20 touchdowns, not outstanding. Okay? Then we got Duggan. We already went through him. 3,400 yards, 30 touchdowns, four not, picks. Not, yeah. not bad. Not bad. I mean, that's a hell of a year. It's a hell of a year. Um, you got Caleb Williams, though. Only one of them to throw for 4,000 yards. He's got 37 yep. touchdowns to yep. only four picks. He's fifth in QBR. And then he's got another 10 touchdowns on the ground. Yep. Then you got C.J. Shroud. 33-40, 6 and another five on the ground. Third in QBR, though. But got his tail beat down at home against his rival. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It's tough to tough to think about when you think about Caleb Williams answering the bell against his rival, who was an actual true test this year in UCLA. Um, and, you know, so it's tough to go away from Caleb Williams. So just I, for the simple fact of giving something else, I would give. I don't even know if this is allowed. It's not. You have to vote for only those four. Yeah, you can't pick anybody <laughs> <No>. else. <laughs> they already voted. They already voted, and those are the four highest vote getters. So that's why they bring them on for this charade oh. of a performance. So the vote's a, already done. The yeah, Heisman's the votes, been awarded. Yeah, it, uh, I think what's today? Tuesday. So it was yesterday. Yesterday was the final day to submit votes. What a sham! Who would you vote for? <laughs> I wouldn't have my guy Bobby on the Boucher. stage. I would have went with Joe Montana. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Chase Brown. I would have went with Chase Brown. I love me some Chase Brown. Illinois was finally an actual Big Ten team again Spoke this about year. Him a lot this they year. haven't been for a long time. I think he's the best back in the country, and I think he'll prove that at the next level. Yeah. Um, they were seconds away from beating Michigan, where we don't even have this conversation about mm. the college football playoffs. Maybe. I don't know. It would be really weird at that point, though. It would be really weird yeah. for it to still be the same. Um they played every single Big Ten opponent tough this year. They only have four losses with an average of five points across them all. Uh, and they would have they would have been garbage without Chase Brown. I mean, let's be real. He's got 1,883 yards from scrimmage. He was second in the entire nation in yards from scrimmage yeah. uh, when you minus kickoff returns because he doesn't return kicks. And then 13 total touchdowns. And, they, you know, how, how do you make up for him? How do you make up for him? And then on top of it, his twin brother is the superstar also probably first or maybe second day at worst uh, safety on the other side of the ball. I mean, the kid's a stud. It's obviously in his, his, and it's in his blood. And if you watched Illinois this year, you knew he was the heart and soul of the team. They ride and they die with Chase Brown. And most of the time, they were riding, not He's dying. 
dying. he going to win the Doak Walker Award, the best running back in the nation? He sure is hell better. The only kid that really deserves another shot other than him is the one from Minnesota, the Ibrahim, I think it is, something like that. He he uh, outed it. He, 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 almost, he almost had seven more touchdowns than him on the mm. ground. So you start looking at weird things like that and yeah. stuff like that. You get into that. But then you look at P.J. Flex team and who they are and who the uh, Illinois beat them. Chase Brown outplayed Ibrahim. He outrushed him. He outscored him in that game. So yeah. when they really went head-to-head, he won. So if I'm looking at Doak Walker, I'm, I'm looking at something like that. But Fair. Who knows? Very fair. Who knows? But if I had to vote for four of these guys that have been elected to be on the stage that day, I'm going Caleb Williams, too. Going Caleb Williams. Um, but he also had a devastating injury. I want to talk about injuries just for a second. We had a couple of devastating quarterback injuries. Um, week 14, most concerning injury to you, Jeremy, real quick. Lamar's knee or Jimmy's foot? If we're talking NFL and the biggest impact on playoff Super Bowl, it's obviously Jimmy G. I'm wearing the hoodie right now. I saw now. that. Feels great, baby Jimmy G. I when love it. He, uh, you know, had to put his little flirtation on with Aaron Andrews on Fox on the sideline after the game. Um, no, but Jimmy Born G. star Jimmy, baby. The, these Niners, they're great everywhere. Offensive line, defensive line, secondary, linebackers, the offensive talented players, everywhere. Besides quarterback, if they have Jimmy G in there, there's a chance for that they could legit win the Super Bowl with with Brock Purdy. Not so much. So Jimmy G uh, will factor in more. I think Lamar and the Ravens they have not looked great all year. Um, even when hit with him healthy, they have not clicked to the way that you would think they would. So he might be back in a week to two. So not too concerned about Lamar, Jimmy G, and the Niners. That's a that's a tough loss right now. Yeah, I. I want to agree with you, but I also feel like Lamar's knee because I think Shani proved last week against my Dolphins, unfortunately, that you can just plug any old guy in there, and Brock Purdy looked just fine. He looked just fine. He got the ball out to his playmakers just like he did in Iowa State when he had Brees Hall, you know, manage the game. I think Brock Purdy can I think Brock Purdy can easily limp them along, and like you said, there's reports that Jimmy G may be back for yeah, could uh, be in the playoffs. Divisional, divisional game, championship games, things of that nature, and a guy like Jimmy G, I mean, it doesn't really matter. As long as he's 70% you roll him back out there. You roll him back out there. So Trey Lance too, like that. That he they said it's like a four month, five now, month. Thing. Give me a break. Trey Lance ain't playing ever again. Trey Lance's career is They're done. Both going to be back for the it's Super Bowl. Done. It's done. The Rams will be trading Baker Mayfield to the Niners next year. I think they picked him up off waivers just to prevent the Niners from getting them, which is a savvy move. I, know. I do appreciate that. I don't know. I would rather them just sabotage the Niners by giving them Baker Mayfield, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's um, how you really stick yeah, it to him. I just get worried also about Tyler Huntley, too. Three TDs to five picks in his career, 500 record. He's had quite a few chances to show it, and he just hasn't really shown it. And now I'm in a tough pickle, right? I'm going up head-to-head against my man Jimmy Thornton this week. Playoff spot is on the line in fantasy football. You know who my quarterback is? Brock Purdy. Lamar Jackson. Uh, Do you have a backup? So I got Huntley currently on waivers. Oh. I got Tannehill currently on waivers, oh, and I got don't tell the rest of your league. And I got gonna... Brady, and I got Brady on my bench. Ooh, Brady is play, facing the Niners. Niners, this I know, week. It's a terrible matchup at Niners. It's yeah. terrible. Then on top of it, it gets worse. A couple more gut shots. Alvin Kamara and Montgomery are my bye. running backs, both on bye. How you like that week fourteen? Bye. You know who I got on the bench? One running back, Zonovan White. <laughs> So I, also got from a, the Jets. so I also got a waiver in for James Cook, who weirdly emerged as the leading rusher for the Bills last week. So hopefully yep. that stays continued. Who knows? If it's meant to be, it's meant to be, Jeremy. I'll sneak in there. But yep. it's not looking yep. good. Not looking good. Fair enough. Um, but you know what else is looking good, though? My survivor, baby. I'm rolling. I'm still rolling. It's me going head-to-head against this guy for the past five freaking weeks. 
Five weeks in a row now. You guys have each hit it the last five weeks? Yes. We've been the last two people alive no for the way. last five and weeks. And we're in week 14? It's crazy. We're going to run out of weeks. I'm getting nervous here. I don't want to split the pot. I either want it all or not. So give me what your survivor pick would be for week 14, and I'll tell you if it's an option for me. Two piece of cake ones. I Probably not an option for you, but two, absolute, no doubt about it, this team's going to win. Give it to me. Dallas at home versus Houston, 17-point favorite. Dallas is playing good football, ladies and gentlemen. We all know this. We've all seen it. As long as Dak could be very competent and maybe above average as a quarterback, they're going to win. Um, and they're playing Houston. Houston throws more touchdowns and fumbles more touchdowns Jesus. to the opposite team than they score for themselves. Tell me about it. You know who he had last week? Who's that? Oh, uh, Cleveland. Probably Cleveland. With he the, had freaking Cleveland. I had their defense, and so if, I loved it in yeah, fantasy. And if the Texans didn't fucking... Just, oh my God, I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, they should have won that game. Nope, nope. The Deshaun Watson saved him, right? Yeah, Deshaun Watson. Uh, the other one is the Chiefs versus the dumpster fire that we're witnessing in the Denver Broncos. Um, I kind of feel bad for Russ. This is embarrassing at this stage. He has played horrible. The team has played horrible. They are frustrated. I was in Denver a week and a half ago. Went right by the stadium. There's massive billboards. What's the buzz? What's the buzz like in Denver? Sad. (laughs) I swear. Sports radio, TV, local news, like sadness. What do we do? (laughs) Um, But the gigantic (laughs) Russell Wilson on the side of the stadium with the big Let's Ride banner that's like 80 feet tall. Like, Do they still have it up? Oh, I got a beautiful picture of it. Uh, yes, it was hilarious, and I loved it. But Chiefs, if we're getting back to this, if you could pick Chiefs or Cowboys, those are your survivors. I can't pick the Chiefs. I can't pick the Cowboys. I actually picked the Cowboys last week against the Colts. They were making uh, me a little nervous there for a moment. Nervous. And then they just started to uh, ride, so to speak. And uh, so I can't pick either one of them. I have the Bills available. So does he. So I think he's going Bills at home against the Jets, which is a risky pick, man. Yeah. AFC East rivalries always been weird, right? So but they're at home. They already lost to the Jets. They're, at they're home. not going to take them light. They're going to be ready. Yep. I know. Blah 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 blah. But Mike White played good, man. He almost came back and beat the Vikings last week. So you know what I'm going? Mm. I'm going Sea Chickens, baby, over the Panthers. I'm going Seattle at home. Twelfth man. They've already dropped two games at home this year. They ain't gonna drop this Packers. one. They need this one. You're going against Packers. Here, here's another. It's not against the pa- it's not gonna be- oh, Panthers. 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 My, Panthers. my apologies. My Panthers. apologies. Panthers. Panthers. Yeah, I wouldn't go against good. the Packers because Aaron Rodgers is being a dick this year. He well, he refuses to give up. Yeah, he would win the one. How, how about Raiders and Rams? At SoFi, Raiders have run three in a row. They're kind of quietly hot. Devontae's taken over. This Ram team is a I can't a pick Thursday night games. Ah, fair enough. So, yep. It's off the ticket. All right, fair enough. So, it was either between the Sea Chickens or the Bills, and I think he's going Bills, so I'm going strategy. For and the I win? Just, well, I'm, Bills will probably likely win. If they win, they may win, but I'm t- I don't want to pick the same damn team because then at best outcome, either we go to the next week or we split. What What's the pot again? Remind it's everyone. It's 1200 bucks. Ooh, let's go. It's a nice It's a let's nice. Go. It's a nice payday, so, you know, I'm hanging in there. Let's go Jets and Seahawks. We're getting it done this yeah. weekend for you, Jason. Yes, let's go Jets and then root in them Seahawks. And then on top of it, I just get to root like hell for the Bills to lose, which I do every week anyways. Yeah, so, Dolphin. And Dolphin I'm fan going yeah. to Sunday night this week. Oh, you are. Dolphins That's right. Chargers, baby. I'm going to have my kids in the brightest orange you Dolphins You can't pick the Dolphins possible. either? Or anymore? No more Dolphins? I picked the Dolphins. Okay. I picked the Dolphins. Oh. Um, I picked the Dolphins against the Texans. Um, 
But yeah, I'm going to shove my kids right up as close as I can to that NBC desk. So make sure press cover sports fans have your eyes open. <laughs> press cover sports is going to be in the house, baby. What, what color jersey? Are we going creamsicle for this? What, what I, color? Got a, I got a Michelin S. Uh, I got a Michelin S turquoise Dan Marino on deck. Brand, All right. All right. Brand ready. new. Brand new. So we're ready to go, ready to go. Um, But yeah, so speaking of that, week 14 is on deck. um, And I'm going to give you my press coverage sports game of the week ahead of yours, Jeremy. I'm going Miami against the Los Angeles Chargers, baby. Not only am I going to be there, so I'm not trying to be biased, but I just think it's a really crucial game for the Dolphins, right? This is our chance to prove that we're a good team, right? Because you know what good teams do, Jeremy? They don't take a loss and turn it into a losing streak. They take a loss, and they come out and win a game they're supposed to win. And this is a game we're supposed to win. Let's be honest. The Chargers just have not been looking good. They've been injured all the time. I'm starting to question Brandon Staley's ability to be a competent head coach in the league. Um... His fourth quarter decision or his fourth down decision making is still crap, if you ask me. I get it, analytics and all this yeah. other bullshit everybody likes to do. But I think I think they're vulnerable. I think their defense has not been a powerhouse. I think that uh, Tua plays uh, a little bit better than he did against the Niners. I think he did okay against the Niners, considering that they're one of the maybe best defenses we've seen over the last decade. Uh, wow, at least, high praise. At least we scored points. They hadn't given up a second half point for yeah, four that's weeks, wild. man. That's wild. Like, they've been bashing on I, people. Tyreek gets open and it's like, boom. Touchdown. Yeah, exactly. Like so we have that instant offense. And then also, first play of the game 75 yards to the crib you know i i saw that and i was like let's go baby like we're the real deal like screw what you heard like the dolphins are here baby and then it didn't go so well then we went around and then gazeki's bobble or whatever on that fourth down that they overturned yeah we were gonna take the lead we were gonna take the lead right there we were gonna be up 24 23 on that drive a lot of people forget about it you look at the score you see 33 17 oh the dolphins went into san francisco and got their asses kicked not so much six point game with what five minutes left something like that we miss a fourth down and then they never look back um so whatever regardless i think miami needs this game and the chargers on the brink of elimination so we get two teams to show whether one's a contender or a pretender and the other one to be eliminated what more can you ask for in week 14 so that's my game of the week and it's on sunday night the nfl flexed it for a reason let's go prove them right dolphins and let's ride the victory baby the holmes family will be there cheering you on well more than likely, they'll beat the Chargers. Chargers tend to blow games like this, and they've been in third Sunday night game in the last six weeks, yeah. five weeks. It's been wild <laughs> for been the Chargers. The NFL, the NFL went all in on Justin Herbert this year. Yeah, the Char- eh, weird, weird situation there. Yeah. But my game of the week, I, I do like that one. I think that one's going to be fun. I think it has a lot of playoff implications around it. And I think your Dolphins are the better team, so they're going to come away with victorious. Mine's a little more, hmm, let's pick not the most likely game of the week. It is going to be the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings. Detroit, 5-7. and seven. A victory here, they're going to be right in that jumbled mix with the other handful of teams in the NFC. Um, you have Washington, you have the Giants, and you have Seattle. If Detroit wins, they're going to be a game back of those with like four games left. A couple of those NFC East teams are going to beat each other up, so someone's going to fall out. There's two spots for those four teams. Your Sea Chickens and then the the Commanders. What do, what do you like to call them? The Comrades. The Commies. The, the, commies, the commies, as well as the Giants. Giants are probably falling out, I would think, but... Detroit Lions at home. They've won uh, four out of their last five. They've looked pretty good. They just blew out the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their only loss was a last-second field goal on Thanksgiving Day to the Bills. So they've played pretty damn good football, and they had a 10-point lead on the Minnesota Vikings earlier this season in Minnesota in the fourth quarter, 
and they blew it. They gave up 14 points. They lose by four, but that should have been a victory over the Vikes. One, Vikings are also 10-2, and two, going for the top seeds. So that's their side of things, but I'm really intrigued by this Detroit Lion team, and if they could win at home, which I know that crowd's going to be raucous, they're right in the mix for a potential playoff spot in the NFC. I like that pick. I, I had my eye on that game, too. I love the NFC North rivalries. I don't know why, but they're just, I don't know, it's just always football yeah. feeling up there. Cold, you know? Cold snowy. Just, I mean, not so much in Detroit, yeah. maybe on the outside yeah. now. Yeah, just mean teams usually, you know. You got the Detroit fighting kneecap biters, you know, just just Dan trying Campbell to pop up Dan playing. Campbell. He does, though. He really does, though. I'll give Dan Campbell credit, you know, and his humble roots began right with the Dolphins. We're the first yeah. uh, people to give him a chance. Tight ends coach. So, yeah, he he's a tight end coach, and then he was the interim coach there, mm. you know, bridging the gap between whatever terrible coaches we were in between at the time. I can't even remember at this point. Um, but yeah, he did all right for us. He had us playing. Yeah. He gets people playing tough. That's the one thing he does. He gets you back to the roots of what you liked football about. Um, and then the Lions, the Lions are the freaking fifth best offense in the league. Yeah. Jared Goff is spinning that thing, baby. And they have the Rams draft pick. Like the Lions are legitly set up for future success finally. It sounds weird, but I feel like yeah. this is like in my lifetime, maybe the best setup the Lions have been. No, the Stafford, Calvin Johnson, Stafford, Megatron. Stafford, Calvin Johnson, they were okay. And they had Sue on defense. I, I want to say they went 11-5, 12-4 one year. They had one, one year. Yeah. They had one playoff appearance, though. I think they had two, but I mean, whatever. We're splitting hairs in. Yeah. They, never, they didn't have any wins. I'll give yes. you that. They haven't won in a long time, yeah. but... So. Uh, Jamison Williams also getting back so into the mix for you three Hall of Famers and you did nothing with them. Yeah, I exactly. like them more with no Hall of Famers and a little bit of a bright future. Yeah, um, But regardless, like I said, one of the best offenses in the league. Yeah. Our next topic, what is the most feared offense in the league? We're here in week 14 now. Everybody's offensive game plan is well-defined. You know who they are, and now it's all about, can you stop me doing what I do best? Yeah. Right? So... Which offense do you fear the most in the NFL right now if you're a defensive coordinator that needs to win a game, Jeremy? I'm not going to pick the Kansas City Chiefs and Pat Mahomes. I know that was my pick a couple weeks ago. I still think he's going to win the MVP. If we're looking at the last couple weeks of the regular season and what we're forecasting for the postseason, Buffalo Bills are currently sitting with the number one seed. If they hold on to that throughout the rest of this regular season and get that first, that one, that lone first round by, and they are waiting for two home games in Buffalo in late January, Josh Allen is that man that will put that offense on his shoulders, whether it be the handoff or him running the ball or finding Stephon Diggs or finding Gabe Davis. He will make every big play at home in front of the fans at Orchard Park, and I am hoping we get a snow game in the postseason. Every single po every single year so far, Patrick Mahomes has had the number one seed or home field throughout. He has never had to go on the road in the postseason. The Chiefs have been that good in the regular season. I want that to flip this year just to see what happens. Don't look like it's going to change, Jeremy. Oh, oh, you're saying with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to be the most feared offense. Not the most feared offense, but maybe the number one seed. Right now, it's the Bills. They have the tiebreaker over them because they beat them head-to-head. -head. They're both 9-3. and three. That's true. So if they hold on, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm really looking for that because I think so Stephon— So they both go undefeated. You're yeah. thinking the Bills run the table the rest maybe of the way Maybe each of them lose one, but I mean, if it flips yeah. back— I just think Stephon Diggs is a gamer. He loves the big moments. You think back to what what he did in the postseason with the Minnesota Vikings in that Hail Mary against the Saints to take it to the house, the Minneapolis miracle, as they called it. Like, Stephon Diggs is a gamer. Josh Allen is a gamer. A defense going up against that 
in Buffalo in late January is just scary to look at. They are. They are. I can I can kudos with that, and the, all the little bits of Miami Dolphins in my heart hurt right now when we uh, happen Talk to agree with that. But I got to go with Philly. I got to go with Philly, man. Like, and I've been I've been hesitant to really get on the Philly train all year, but their offensive line just looks nasty out there, man. I mean, they've 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 kind of like grabbed a lot of first and second round talent and just compiled them on this team. They got the best center in the league, and I feel like when you follow the best center in the league, chances are your team's probably pretty damn good, man. They got all pro. Just, Kelsey, yeah. All, and then Landon Deckerson next to him. I mean, they're just loaded. Lane Johnson. Yeah. They came out with an offensive line Christmas album. I mean, Did these they? guys are jamming. Yeah, you haven't seen the uh-uh. Philly special Christmas album? I'll check it That's out. That's what it's called, the Philly special Christmas album. You can't even buy it. I tried to buy one. I tried to buy one. You can't even buy it. Uh, the <laughs> other tackle, Mylata, the Hawaiian yeah. brother, he is a fantastic singer. This dude is like, this dude is like lights out singer. Been on the ukulele since yeah, he was a got, kid, probably. He's got pipes, man. He can blow, dude. And they're like, yeah. Him, Jason Kelsey, and Lane Johnson got together with a bunch of bottles of whiskey and recorded, like, professionally recorded a freaking Christmas album one Everything weekend. is better with whiskey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even even the offensive line singing. <laughs> but, yeah. So, like, there's that brotherhood there, but they also got a bruising-style quarterback behind them that just runs mean, runs yeah. tough when he has to, um, and there's still a 15, uh, top 15 passing offense with that quarterback. And the best thing about it is they get big chunk plays. Like, they might not be top five passing because they're not throwing all that much, but when they do, they get chunk plays because they're actually in the top 10 in throwing touchdowns. They're in the top 10. They're at number eight with 20 touchdowns thrown this year. And then they're fifth in the league in rushing. So that's the best balance that you could find out of any of the offenses out there. Like my Dolphins, they're legit. We're number uh, we're number three in passing, passing, number four in points, but we're number 28 in yeah. rushing. Like we're terrible. Like there's no balance. Like McDaniels, you got to figure that shit out, man. Yeah. It's going to catch up to us. Um I just think Philly's defense plays to their offense. Jordan Davis is coming back healthy. They tried to plug a hole while he was out with Dominic Sue. Now you're going to have Sue and Davis on the same D-line? I mean, come on, man. They're going to be ready to go. I know that's defensive talk, but that's the defense that sets up that offense to just be able to pound, 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 get the ball right back, pound, pound, big shot to A.J. Brown. That's the last name you just named there is a big difference there because finally having that number one, what we call in the NFL, a number one, one wide receiver, true one. a true number one, he has opened up the offense for everyone else. Devontae Smith has got a little more comfortable as yep. of late. He's he having has. bigger games. He had a great game last We're week. We're still waiting for Dallas Goddard to come yep. back. Once exactly. he comes back, he, he is the tight end. About him. He, he keeps all the pieces together. I, I think we just named the two top best yep. offenses, so... I'm very, I'm very confident in both of those selections. Yeah, I think they're both. I think they both have some merit. Um, but you know what? That's what we do. We're ranking things. We're moving stuff around. And now we're getting to a new segment for press coverage sports show. Uh, fans out there, here comes your very first Jeremy's power rankings. What are we doing this week, Jay Shiffy? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I love ranking stuff, as should everyone else yes. out there. I think we got to look at whatever it's TV shows or foods or drinks or movies or music or sports, everything that's out there. I want to start trying to rank and just give a power five of them. Um, this week with uh, Heisman Trophy being announced later this week, college bowl games everywhere, I wanted to look at the five greatest 
single season college football quarterbacking seasons of all time. Um, not looking at a career and accomplishment standpoint, I want to pinpoint one specific season. It's kind of like a, a vintage wine, like the 1972 Merlot. Like I want to look at a vintage season from one great player and highlight like this was better than X or Y or Z's player or his season at that. So I love um, it. Great. I, I hope you do because this is your show. So if you didn't love it, then I might not be invited back next time. This is our show, Jeremy. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I, I love the very first power rankings. Um, am I getting first crack at this? Yeah. I, you know what? Shoot it off. I, I have my notes and everything. I'm very curious to see how much we correlate or Great. how much discrepancy we have okay. with this. Okay. I'll go first. I'll go first for this segment. Um, number five. Coming in at number five. Right. I, I did top five. I hope that's fine. Yeah. All absolutely. Right? So we're starting with one of the greatest Huskies of all time, a man by the name of Warren Moon and his 1977 wow. campaign. Now, granted, I was not alive for that one, but I am a historian of the game. I appreciate the game, and I remember watching Warren Moon in the National Football League a lot growing yeah, up. of course. So I got curious by by his uh, uh, seasons and his career, and as I got older, I started to learn about the trials and tribulations he went after. One of his rookie cards is one of the coolest cards that I still own to this day. Um and uh, I always thought it was weird as a kid, like, oh, he's got Canadian Football League stats, but he's like the MVP of the league. Like, he's a great NFL yeah. quarterback. This is so strange. I didn't even know what Canadian Football League was back then. You know, and now later I can appreciate what he did. And in 1977, if you didn't know, he led the Huskies to the Pac-8 Yep. championship um, and a major upset win over your Michigan Wolverines that year in the wonderful Rose Bowl. Yeah. He only threw for 1,700 yards that year, um, but throwing wasn't anything like it was right now. But really what was cool about that season was how he came from West Los Angeles Junior College. No other Division One offers ever came his way except for Washington University. They gave him a chance, and it set the table to me to be one of the most – dynamic and most meaningful quarterback careers that the NFL has ever seen. Uh -huh. um, black quarterbacks just didn't yep, get yep, drafted yep. back then. Black quarterbacks were not allowed to basically play in the NFL. You can go ahead and look back at it all. That's fine. You're going to find out that it's true. Warren Moon was the first quarterback to ever throw for 5,000 yards. He did it actually to the dime. He threw 5,000 yards exactly Even. as he won one of his three Grey Cups up there in Canada. So the man had to go win four professional championships before the NFL even gave him a chance. Yeah. And then he went and just absolutely dominated for the Oilers for years and years and years when most quarterbacks are past their prime now. I mean, he had to waste most of his best years in Canada, and yep, you don't yeah. even know what he would have had if he had NFL talent because they basically refused to draft him uh, coming out of college. Did you see, like, the total combined yards of, like, CFL and NFL players? Like, Warren Moon was top five at some yeah. point. I think recently, like, these guys are astronomical, but he was yeah. over 60,000 career passing yards yes. in CFL and NFL yeah. history. Yeah, yeah. Warren Moon, when you look at his professional career in totality what college sorry sorry what college did he go to in washington, washington washington university that's right 1977 washington huskies and uh he played two years at western los angeles junior college baby that's wild and he made it so that's my number five number four maybe another guy you may have never heard of but he was meaningful in my life growing up watching college football it would be the 2001 campaign by a young man named eric crouch 
Okay, Eric Crouch played for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I couldn't talk about college quarterback seasons and not have a triple option, wingback kind of quarterback in there, right? Because that's what college football was when I was growing up in the 90s and in the early 2000s. Um, I remember Tommy Frazier um, a little bit here and there as growing up, just watching him because the Big 12, I think they're the Big 10 actually back then, or even yeah. the Big, I don't know, Big 9 or Big 8 or something weird like that. It was, um, uh, yeah, yeah, Big 8 and then Big 10 and then Big 12. Yeah. So, so regardless, I remember Tommy Frazier. I remember these Nebraska teams. I remember these Oklahoma teams and how hard they would run. And in 2001, I was truly watching football. I truly started watching college football in about 1996, 97 when I was really following it. And Eric Crouch was one of the first players I gravitated. Not the first, but one of them. And uh, Crouch was breaking records almost every single week that season. If you don't know about him, ask about him. Go look him up. 2001, Eric Crouch had a great year. He was kind of a journeyman in and out of the lineup. Had some key injuries when he was growing up. Or not growing up, but coming up in Nebraska, he kept getting bounced around. They kept benching him. Start naming, uh, I forget what the guy's name was, something, something with a G, McTaggart or McGaggart or something like that. But he kept losing the job every year. Then he would end up winning it. So 2001 was his year to shine, and sure he did. Um, he broke Tommy Frazier's all-time rushing leader record at Nebraska. I still remember that 95-yard run he had against Missouri. And anybody that was watching football back then will remember Black 41 reverse flash. If you don't remember Black 41 reverse flash pass, that was the play that they finally got over the hump, beat the defending champion Oklahoma Sooners that year on a double reverse pass back to Eric Crouch for a 65-yard touchdown. It was epic. It was like the play of the year. And then they had a huge hangover after that and got freaking 62 points hung on them by the old Deion Sanders Colorado. Buffs the Thanksgiving weekend after that, and it kind of derailed their season. And they still got a chance to play a national championship. And that unstoppable hurricane down in Miami with Uncle Lou just rolled them right off the stage. But I'll still remember Eric Crouch. He had a little stint with I think the St. Louis Rams as a wide receiver in the NFL because they wouldn't give him a chance at quarterback. But I remember Eric Crouch 2001, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just uh, clear everyone's mind out there. Uh, Jason's going with uh, Eric Crouch in 2001, who finished with 1,500 passing yards, yep. seven touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. Yep. That's the fourth greatest quarterback season of all time. Carry on, Jason. Thank you. Look up his rushing stats, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he had over 1,000. I'll give you that. The I'll man give you played, that. I'll give you that. The man played quarterback. And who was the Heisman Trophy winner of the 2001 season? Yeah. Jeremy Schiffman. Yeah. Wasn't he number one pick overall, too? No. no. What was Crouch? What? No, he, he won Heisman. Get, to it. He didn't even get picked. Like I said, oh, he, he got picked in the seventh round as a wide receiver by the Rams. Oh, okay. But he won, he won the Heisman, Heisman that year. That was college football back then, man. That's that so was wild. college football. Triple option. Triple option. Watch Navy games, all right? I'm telling <laughs> you, man. The quarterbacks put in work. All right? I love, Number three. I, I love your passion. Number three. Timothy Tebow in the 2007 Florida Gators. All right, not his best team season. Uh, only went 9-4 and four that year, but Tebow was straight up balling. 55 total touchdowns, 32 through the air, 23 through the ground, 4,100 total yards. He outplayed the hype, and this man came in with incredible amounts of hype. He's one of the first Heisman, like, uh, not Heisman, uh, ESPN high school kids I remember watching on football. Nice high school right and there in Jacksonville. I remember him playing A.J. Green's high school on ESPN, and I think that was the first like time I really watched a nationally televised high school football game. I was in high school that year myself. Yeah. Uh, no, no, actually, no, not in 2007. I was not in high school that year, but I just remember being a, a part of that uh, high school crowd and just remembering that season, and it was freaking epic. Um, 
and, and when he was in high school. Um, sorry, the 2007 season was even more epic. Uh, he had a huge win against Tennessee. Rivalry wins always mean more in college. He dominated them with five touchdowns and 660 total yards in yep. that game. Like, Every year you thought, every week you thought Tebow couldn't do more than he did the year, the week before, and he just kept passing it and passing it and passing it. And he became the first FBS player to both run and throw for 20 touchdowns that season. Yeah. Big year so, for him. I, I might, may or may not have him on my list. All right. All right. All right. So, number three, Tim Tebow, 2007. Number two, my man who's screwing me over in fantasy football, still my man. El Freaky, Lamar Jackson, 2016 campaign with the Louisville Cardinals. All right. Heisman Trophy winner, first game of the year, just a little snippet of what he was going to do for you. What did he give you in the first half, Jeremy Schiffman? I think it was like four, five touchdowns, six? Eight, eight touchdowns. touchdowns the- eight touchdowns. He hung eight on the Charlotte 49ers in the first half of the season that year, right? Absolutely bonkers. What did he do the next game to the old Syracuse Orangemen in the Carrier Dome where it's always been historically tough to play? Five touchdowns in the first half. So he played two halves of football. He scored 13 touchdowns in 2016. That's right. You don't believe me? Look it up. There's plenty of evidence for it. All right? And then on top of it, 600 total yards of offense in that first half. So Tim Tebow threw up 660 on the Tennessee Volunteers. Lamar threw up 600 on the Syracuse Orangemen in a half. In a half. That's crazy. Yes, in a half. It's crazy. He blew the doors off of Florida State with five five total touchdowns in that game. And then on top of it, they spanked him by like 40 points. Only in any time that Louisville will beat Florida State by 40 points. It was Lamar Jackson. He went tooth and nail with Clemson. They ultimately lost that game. Yeah, great game. Uh, yeah, I it remember was a that. Great, fantastic. One of yeah. the best college football games of all time. Is that a Thursday night game? Yeah, or it was some weird Thursday night. Maybe it was night. A, just the Saturday night primetime, but I definitely remember that one. I remember it. I think it was Friday night primetime. Okay. I remember being at like a small house party. So I don't yeah. think it was Thursday, but it was like weirdly the only thing on. And it was uh, 42-36. They lost. But he became the youngest Heisman that year ever to win it. He had 3,500 yards throwing, 30 touchdowns, 1,570 yards rushing with another 21 touchdowns. Um, He was the first person to get over 50 TDs. He was the youngest person to win the Heisman Trophy that year. Mm -hmm. Uh, They ended up losing three games after that Clemson game too, so it kind of derailed the season as a whole. But for a little while, they were ranked number three in the country. And that Clemson team that they played, that was actual Clemson. Not this year's Clemson. Not last year's Clemson. That was the Sean Watson, beat you, roll tied, Alabama, Clemson. They were the real deal. Number two, El Freaky, Lamar Jackson, 2016. My number one season of all time, college football quarterbacks, my man, Michael Vick. Wow. And the 1999 Virginia you Tech Hokies. Are wild. He literally lit a passion for me for college football. He went 11-0 that year. He set the all-time freshman QBR for a season at 180.4. He had no wideouts on that team. He had absolutely robbed for the Heisman that year by Ron Dane from Wisconsin. Uh, But at that point, he was the highest ever finishing true freshman at quarterback. And if you remember his first game, he set the freaking country on fire. He ran for like four touchdowns, but he had this gnarly flip into the end zone. Yeah. He hurt his ankle. He missed a he missed a game after that. Um, but I mean, he just set the world on fire. Now, it doesn't compare to Lamar Jackson's uh stats because he only had he only ran for nine t- nine touchdowns, 700 yards, but his highlights will forever the, be The game etched. evolved, but you're right. It did. It did. He literally created Madden. Like he he became what it was like to play Madden. You you cats out there playing with with all these running quarterbacks nowadays, playing with Lamar Jackson and stuff. It started with Michael Vick, and yeah. he just he just 
let such an imprint on my mind and that 99 Sugar Bowl game against yeah. Peter Warwick in Florida State. I remember I had the Peter Warwick gloves in high school because they're the <laughs> coolest things to have. Nike came out with Peter Warwick wide receiver gloves. Um, Michael Vick, Michael Vick literally lit my passion for college football that Love season, it. 1999. So my number one most memorable quarterback season of all time, Michael Vick and the Virginia Tech Hokies. Michael Vick won the Heisman. Lamar Jackson won the Heisman in 16. Tim Tebow won the Heisman in 07. Eric Crouch won the Heisman in 01. And then Warren Moon. I don't think he won the Heisman. No, Warren Moon definitely right. didn't win the Heisman. They wouldn't even let him in the league, let yeah, alone win exactly. the Heisman. I do appreciate that. We are way off on for the most part. I, it's good. I tried to make a well diverse. It's my list, all right? It's my power rankings. I love it. That's the whole point of power rankings. They are individualized to the person that is speaking them and how you feel about that five. I love the passion behind the Michael Vick and sparking your love for uh, college football as a whole. Um, I'll get going with my number five. 2007 Tebow. I wish I could match 07 Tebow with 08 Tebow, but yep. to be true to the game, I'm only picking one season. They went 9-4 and four that year, mm-hmm. and they did not win, obviously, SEC the following year. They win the championship, but in 2007, he goes for 3,300 passing yards, 55 total touchdowns, 32 passing, and 23 rushing yeah. touchdowns from the QB. It's insane. That is incredible. And then the 900 rushing yards as well that he added. He won the Heisman that year, as I mentioned. Um, aside from the statistical greatness of Tebow, the Tim Tebow phenomenon in college, a couple weeks ago we were talking on one of the bump and run coverages of the sports doc you want to see. I want to see Florida Gators in Gainesville 0607, both the basketball team and the football team, like a documentary of what the campus was like and those uh, interesting characters, some of them, like in Tebow's yep. case, some of them murderers, yep. whatever. It, you know, you got a, quite the group. a wide spectrum of them. Joe Kim Noah had a lot of fun in college, he said. Um, so Tim Tebow is number five with his 07 campaign. Number four, probably the most dominant college football player I felt for at least a one-year span uh, from my childhood and high school years. It's Vince Young in 2005. His role to an undefeated 13-0, stopping the USC Trojans' 34-game winning streak in probably still the most famous and and memorable uh, Rose Bowl and National Championship game, Texas versus USC. Uh, Vince Young was unbelievable that year. Stat-wise, doesn't blow you away, but I really think the game evolved. If Vince Young came in 2015 or 2020, his numbers would be what Lamar's were, what everyone else's were. But what he did when it was still a more traditional type of football game in college, uh, 3,000 pass yards, 38 total touchdowns, 26 passing, only 10 interceptions. He had over 1,000. He was one of the first to do the 1,000 rush yards and the 3,000 pass yard club in college football history. Uh, Heisman Trophy runner-up to Reggie Bush, but national championship game, game on the line, fourth down conversions, touchdowns to win it in the final seconds. Vince Young got it done. He did it. If we're looking for a single season, Vince Young 05 is number four on my list. Number three, I think this guy captured the best uh, passing aerial attack ability to go along with the rushing attack because that's what the quarterback position has transformed into. Marcus Mariota in 2014 from the Oregon Ducks. This is the best we've ever seen from a quarterback in a Chip Kelly-style spread-him-out 
pass option, run option, RPO option type of quarterback play. He had 4,400 pass yards, much more than Tebow, much more than Vince Young, um, much more than Lamar Jackson, 57 total touchdowns, 42 passing to only four interceptions. Like, not only is he, uh, he was accurate, but he limited his turnovers. 42 to four ratio is great. He added 15 more on the ground in terms of touchdowns. He won the Heisman, uh, got to the CFP, the only Pac-12 team to ever make the college football playoff, lost in the national championship, unfortunately. So he got his team there. Um, If you look at my other two, like Tebow, the following year, they won the championship. Vince Young won the championship. Marcus Mariota got to the championship, but fell slightly short. Number two, I cannot believe you did not have this guy on your list. I am baffled. Actually, the top two. I don't know how you did not have my top two on your list. Cam Newton. Come on. What Cam Newton did in 2010, his lone year at the University of Auburn, he goes undefeated, national champion, number one overall pick. That doesn't happen often. Uh, And won the Heisman, I forgot to mention. He finishes 2,800 pass yards, 50 total touchdowns, 30 passing uh, seven interceptions. Beat your number three in the national championship, if I remember right. Uh, he beat uh, Oregon, or they beat Oregon. Yeah, yeah. He beat Marcus Mariota, right? Yeah. No, no, no. This was a couple years earlier. This whoever the court. I think it was not Dennis Dixon. It was after Dennis Dixon. Mariota was was in fourteen. Cam Newton was in twenty ten. So they had a couple years yeah. apart. Yeah. But they did beat Oregon in the national championship. Oregon has two losses in the national championship. Mariota lost to Zeke Elliott. Yeah, Ohio exactly. State. Ohio, Ohio Cardell Jones, yeah, right? Cardell. Twelve Cadillac, gauge, baby. Cadillac, but fourteen hundred rush yards from a quarterback like that was before Lamar. Before all these other guys really started to do the dual threat, Cam Newton was just such a big ferocious uh, force yep. that that Auburn Tigers ran all. They didn't lose a game. One of my favorite college football seasons of all time. It was great, twenty ten, and mm-hmm. they they beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl, a historic Iron Bowl that they had after trailing the whole game. So Cam Newton got it done. Um, went on to have a really good career. Like out of all oh, these yeah. other quarterbacks, NFL wise, like NFL MVP. Yeah, Cam Newton's uh, probably the best on the list. Lamar's had some good moments. Vic's had some good moments. Um, moving to my number one, and this is an easy one. This happened a couple years ago. It's Joey Cool, Joey B, Joey Burrow with the LSU Tigers. Just imagine an NFL-style quarterback in the college game, but yet you have Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase on your damn offense. Yeah. Like, that's laughable. He finishes with 5,600 pass yards. Just a reminder, Cam Newton, 28. Uh, Mariota, 4,400. Joe Burrow, 5,600 pass yards, 66 total touchdowns, 60 passing to uh, six interceptions. That's a 10 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. He added five more touchdowns on the ground. Heisman Trophy winner, 15 and 0, undefeated national champ, and the number one overall pick. That is the greatest college football season from a quarterback of all time. Solid ranking, solid ranking. I can't I can't argue any of those seasons. This I feel like this was one of those power rankings that like when you come to most memorable, I took it very subjectively. <laughs> Fair I took enough. it very subjectively, right? Yeah. I definitely did most memorable to me, and maybe most of America would not agree with my list. And no, probably totally more, fair. probably lean more towards yours. But yes, Joe Burrow and Cam Newton, I have to agree, could easily slide into one and two on my list too, because I remember both of those seasons being incredible seasons. Um, I guess I was just a little bit jaded at that point in my sports watching history. Uh, but yeah, Joe Burrow, I mean, to me, I feel like the guy's got nothing but 
bright skies in his future. Like he makes oh. me makes me nervous. Like I feel like he can feel like if he can really dial he'll be around in for a while. He'll be around for a while, and I feel like Cincinnati is going to be a force to be reckoned with. As is Josh for the next Allen, as years. is Patrick Mahomes, like the AFC quarterbacks. But to are me, sick. Joe Burrow's just got something different, man. I mean, okay, we, we don't need to get into the yeah. NFL side of things, yeah. but agreed, great college season. Yes, He's number definitely. one all time in my books. I can't really argue that. Can't really argue that. Um, great solid list. Great solid start to Jeremy's power rankings. But we've been doing this for a while, and it wouldn't be an episode at the Yellow Table without Bump and Run, baby. And Bump and Run is brought to you by Sweet Fuel by Jewel, Persistence Foods Company. And if you leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts by December 15th, you will be entered into our holiday raffle and have a chance to get some Sweet Fuel gifts under your Christmas tree just in time for the holidays. Swag bags and gift cards are up for grabs, so make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and leave your name behind so we can get a hold of you and tell you that you won. All right, Jeremy? Excellent. This is Bump and Run, brought to you by Sweet Fuel. What do you got? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take everyone back a couple years ago. We're going to go to March of 2020. Ooh. You remember time. this, right? Rough time. Rough time in the this world. This thing called the pandemic. Yeah. We, all, we all experienced it. We all went through it. Yeah. We're two and a half to almost three years out of it now. Don't remind me. I want to just think back to a year, a year and a half or so without any live entertainment, inter- or sports of any kind, entertainment, concerts, anything like that. They canceled March Madness. They canceled everything, remember? <laughs> they canceled March Madness. They, they, they were playing marble tournaments on ESPN in primetime. Like, I already had my bracket filled out. I was ready to go, man. Like it was, it was, it was coming. I was waiting for his conference championship. Yeah, so I, I hope this draws back some emotions, some memories. It was only a couple years ago, but no live sports for any of us sports fans. No it's concerts terrible. for us music fans. No comedy terrible. shows for anyone that enjoys stuff out there. And now that I feel we've finally turned that corner where you don't have to show your vaccine card or a negative test when you go to a sport yeah. event, it's back to normal. We're at full capacity, etc. Tag team that to tomorrow night. I am going to what I consider in my life a holy grail, an all-time live entertainment event down in Anaheim at the Honda Center. Nice. Great. I will be sitting very low and very close to the stage to see Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle in a tandem comedy show tomorrow night. Really? So I am over the moon. These are... Probably my top two comedians of all time. Like Dave Chappelle is the goat for me. I love everything Dave's ever put out there. And I, I, once I seen that they posted, they're going to do like eight different uh, cities. And I seen one here in the Southern California. I was like, all right, I don't care what the price is. I'm going, I'm going, period. Hell yeah. So I'm going to go see that tomorrow night. Very excited. Also a huge sport. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, also a huge sports fan, concert fans have been to some crazy concerts and the, the feeling you get there at the live entertainment is like nothing else that we experience and 100%. that we, we missed for a year and a half. So Jason, long ass intro, I apologize, to set you up for our bump and run question of the day. What is your holy grail? What is your number one bucket list of live entertainment, whether you could stay a concert or a, a musical act and what venue, even if you want to be specific about it, whether it's sporting event, watching the Mets at, in the World Series, in the Queens, whatever it may be, like, what is your number one, like, I am going to do this before I do not have the opportunity to anymore in your lifetime for a live entertainment event that's a good one 
That's a good one. I got a quick tee up for the Honda Center. I crossed one of those bucket lists off when I saw Bruce Springsteen perform there uh, live in the Honda Center. Actually met this guy, Patty, who works for the Angels. I got to wear a World Series ring that day. He's like the <laughs> union electrician. I thought the guy was full of shit. I took his number that day, and you know we were having a few drinks and stuff, and he said yeah. he'd get me free tickets anytime I want. And he's giving me free tickets to Angels games three different times. So shout out wow. to you, Patty, uh, union electrician at one time for the Angels. Don't know if he still is or not um so that was definitely a bucket list cross honda center was a great venue dude you're gonna have a blast there. i can't wait man if i had to pick i'm going to sunday night football with my kids and my wife uh this sunday which is awesome i haven't been to a primetime nfl game before like sunday or monday night really? football so i'm stoked for that so it's definitely a bucket list thing i'm crossing off but if i if i had if i, I literally ch- had that in my notes for you i'm like i wonder if chargers dolphins sunday yes. night would be there yeah so that i'm going I got, I'm, I'm stoked got great tickets I got the tailgating all set up we're gonna be there we're gonna be doing the full nine yards i've working on my kids to practice their heckling scream of go dolphins <laughs> at anybody that walks by in a chargers jersey so we're be ready um but if i truly if i truly 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 had to pick it would probably be and i'm hoping to fulfill this when the olympics come back to los angeles Mm. but i would love to just go to an olympic sporting event i just think it's very cool it's very basic like yes dolphins world series dolphins champion super bowl championship all that stuff would be great but i don't know man there's a tie to the olympics that i've always been ceremony i would say 100 meter dash i would say opening ceremonies and then all the track and field events if i could pick Mm. i love track and field i know it wouldn't be the most exciting thing for most people but to me to me i would be all over that i would love to be live there and see u.s break a world record like let's yeah. say 100 meters we got some new kid from the u.s that could break usain bolt's record or something like that i'd love to be there for that i It'd think be epic a 200 or a 400 as they hit that curve yeah. and you're already cheering but yes. then you see like i'm getting goosebumps just picturing that in 2028 that uh-huh. would be something that i did not have on on my thought process and list but yeah, the Olympics is... going to be awesome. I'm a big track and field guy. I used okay. to run the 400. I was never all that great at it, you know, but um, it's something it's it's something that that's cool to me, and it's unique, and I feel like not that many people get a chance to do it, and I think I'm going to have a chance to do it with my kids in 2028, so I'm stoked. Beautiful. So Beautiful. that's on the list, and it's attainable. The Dolphins, they got to get their sorry asses to the Super Bowl first, but of course I'd love to go to something like that too, but I think yeah. I think bucket list, that's attainable. I think I'm going, I'm going uh, Olympics 2028. I want to be it. there. More than a World Cup potential, right? Yeah, more than world, more than World Cup. I mean, yeah. I like soccer, but I like track and field more. To be honest with you, 100%. what do you got? Where are you going? You know, it, it is. I think tomorrow night is probably top three if yeah, I had to guess. It's got to be up there. I haven't gone to a lot of comedy shows in my life. I went to Andrew Schultz a, a couple months ago here in uh, Levity Live at Oxnard. Levity Live's great, man. One of the most incre- enjoyable moments. Here, here's why I think a comedy show maybe trump the other one. Maybe tomorrow night is the one for me because maybe it is. You go to a sporting event, you're going to shell out hundreds and hundreds of dollars and you're going to be so invested. And if it's a really big game, like a Super Bowl or a playoff game, yep. there's a 50-50 chance your team's going to come out with an L. And I've been to a couple of those you're games. you come out with an L or it's a blowout or something like that? Yeah, I've been to a couple of them and you, I've left devastated from a stadium as many sports fans around the world have <laughs> done. So that's why like, I've done a lot. I've been to a Super Bowl. I, I've been to an NLCS, didn't go to the World Series for the Dodgers. Uh, I've gone to multiple Laker playoff games, and it, it it has a certain pizzazz and feel to it. But comedy shows, guess what? 
I'm leaving undefeated. Yeah. I am leaving happy with a smile on my face, with memories for years, knowing that I got the exclusive shit, the exclusive liners. And what is Chris Rock going to say about his whole uh, experience Smith's last year with Will Smith? And everything. Yeah, it's going to be hilarious. What is Dave going to say? What he's already kind of said about Kanye, yeah. about Kyrie. Like, it's going to be awesome incredible and uh i am excited for that i'm just happy as a whole like to bring it full circle we're back to live entertainment hell like, yeah we are it baby. is like nothing else it's not like watching on the tv not like going to a bar and watching a game like yeah. live entertainment is what we all thrive for and i'm excited for uh more great moments like this and holy grail moments in the future yes sir me too, man. Me too. And this was recorded live at the Yellow Table for live, all you baby, press live. coverage sports fans out there. I hope you guys find something on your bucket list and go cross it off. Jeremy, I hope you enjoy the hell out of that show tomorrow. I guarantee it's going to be hilarious. Absolutely. And thanks for joining me on another press coverage sports, man. Yes, absolutely, Jason. Let's have a good one. Yes, sir. All right, everybody listening out there, I hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you keep on tuning in. Uh, leave us that review. Get entered into that Sweet Fuel raffle. And as we always say at Persistence Culture, keep moving.